You guys, we're gearing up for the Digiday Video Awards and the registration is still open to submit entries, so I want to make sure I tell you about it. The Video Awards are about the best work in branded video, video marketing, and video advertising by brands, agencies, and tech companies. We have a bunch of great categories. Check them out and learn more at digiday.com events. The last day to apply is November 3rd. That's the end of this week. Don't miss it. This is Digiday Live, our podcast where we bring you the best sessions from our many summits around the world. I'm Digiday producer Aditi Sangu, and this week we're playing three sessions from the Digiday Agency Summit we recently wrapped up in Charleston, South Carolina. We discuss what's hurting the agency world and how to build the next great modern agency. In this episode, if you continue to ignore, overlook, or overgeneralize Middle America, do it at your own peril. That's what Greg Anderson of Bailey Lowerman says. Get back in touch with the Middle States and get some insight in this session. Listen in. So uh, I'd like to thank Digiday for uh, being here. You know, pretty cool conference talking about building the modern advertising agency, talking about data and new models that are really just old, old models, but I think called. And then here comes this hayseed from Nebraska to talk to you about Middle America. <coughs> well. Here's the thing, you know, middle America has been overgeneralized, it's been underrepresented, it's been underappreciated for a really long time. And, you know, if we continue to think in that way, and if you look back at what happened in November, I think, you know, do those things at your own peril. You know, all of these discussions that we're having around new agency models, around data, around technology, none of those things really fundamentally matter unless we get it right and understand who it is that we are, we're talking to. So I'm a Nebraska guy. I moved there. I combed the hay out of my hair and moved to the big city uh, of New York when I graduated from the University of Nebraska. And, you know, I thought that the fastest way for me to become successful in New York in advertising was to be a cool New York advertising kid, right? And so I tried to do that. And obviously, I failed miserably at that because a lot of people, senior people from clients and agency organizations said, hey, you know, you're from out there somewhere, aren't you? Will you, will you come look at this brief? Will you come look at this idea and, and will, you, will you see, you know, what you think of it? Will it play? And it didn't just happen once. It happened again and again and again. And pretty soon I started to realize that this place that I was from was actually a competitive advantage because of this inherent knowledge and perspective that I had about this part of the country. You know, and so I started to put things on my bio, like that I finished second in the Nebraska State Duck Calling Championship when I was 14, which is a true story, by the way. Uh, and, uh, you know, and I think that uh, that sort of real sort of deep knowledge about culture around things like duck calling has really given me serious expertise into America. You know, and the thing is, is that people for a long time have had this really backwards view of a place that they think is very backwards. It doesn't really make much sense. So this is a very famous New Yorker cover uh, from 1976. It's called The View from Ninth Avenue, right? Uh, and it's like everything that's going on in New York City, the hustle and bustle, the super important elements of the big city of New York. And then there's LA over on the other side where there's some other really cool stuff happening. And then there's just sort of this place in the middle. Well, Nebraska is that place in the middle that looks like it's given the rest of the country the finger, but that's actually called Chimney Rock, which is a, a geological formation there. And so, you know, this was in 1976 uh, that this cover was, uh, was put out there. And then this year, 
You know, you still have, 40 years later, you still have the Wall Street Journal talking about whether or not agencies are out of touch with consumers. And like, it's crazy to me, you know, in this age of data and technology and we've got all of this information and insight and isn't it incredible that we're still so out of touch with a huge, huge part of the country, right? You know, and so we've, we've learned so much about millennials and all these other things, but there's this really big important segment called America that could probably do with a bit more understanding from our industry. You know, and then you've got people like Melinda. Now, I don't know if anyone knows Melinda, but Melinda is from Silicon Valley. She's a big tech CMO, marketing person, talks about data and all this stuff. So Melinda decides to, she's gonna go out there on the platform, right? And she says, talking about middle America, no educated person wants to live in a shithole with stupid people. Those towns have nothing going for them, no infrastructure, just a few bars and a terrible school system. Now this is someone who says that her job is to help connect brands to consumers. Melinda, Melinda, Melinda. Now, so she goes on to talk about the fact that, you know, people in my part of the country are a bunch of uh, whitewashed hicks that keep brown people down, you know, and that, um, you know, we really don't know what's going on. There are 44 languages spoken in the homes of San Francisco Unified Public School uh, homes, right? So that's a big number, 44 foreign languages, right? San Francisco is a big city, super urban, diverse, you know, culturally, you know, super tied in and progressive. It's 120 languages spoken in the homes of Omaha public school students, 120. Now, you think that America and you think that middle America is this whitewashed homogenous place, but it's not. So there's a huge influx of immigrants into places like Omaha, Minneapolis, et cetera, that are creating a far more interestingly diverse place and cultural mashups uh, than you would expect. So for Melinda, who on their website talks about data-driven insights or their passion, you know, it's not quite connecting there. So, you know, I guess what I'm trying to tell you guys is don't be Melinda, you know? Here's the thing, 92% of Americans live outside of the 10 largest cities in the country, 92%. That's a pretty big number, I, th I think, you know? And uh, so, you know, outside of those 10 largest cities in the country is an incredible range of people, of aspirations, hopes, dreams, cultures, geography, you know, all of that. And it's really super, super complex. So, you know, our jobs, we get so caught up in this industry about you know, politics and data and channels and all this stuff. You know, Shireen from Digiday wrote an article about how people can't identify as a Republican in an advertising agency. Like that's crazy to me. Like we're supposed to be like creating these brands and these ideas that connect people, right? And yet, you know, and our job is to understand America, you know, and to, and to bring all of these different dimensions of that understanding together on behalf of our clients, yet we can't even do that inside of the own, our own four walls of our businesses. That doesn't make any sense. You know, data, you know, has led many, uh, those people who sort of predict the future, they've, they've led them sort of astray. You know, these, all these different channels are creating these, eco, these echo chambers that are isolating us 
not bringing more understanding to what's going on uh, in the country today. So really, fundamentally, in my view, our jobs are about bringing forward an understanding of a complex America. Understanding the 92%, not the 8%. Talking to the 92%, not the 8%. And thinking about you know, everything that we're doing, it's great to talk about new agency models and, and data and technology and programmatic and all that stuff, but at the end of the day, our job fundamentally is to bring forward a an understanding of this really complex market. Defining middle America is a complex task, right? You know, the New York Times asked which of the following maps best describes the heartland. So they gave nine, right? You know, and so at first um, they just gave you the sort of the visual and you picked and then they revealed what that represented. So, you know, America away from the coast, the breadbasket, predominantly white, the Midwest, whether or not you uh, align to and like a American League or a National League central baseball team, it was one of the, the definitions. So there's a lot of different ways that people sort of define what middle America is. And the reality is you can't. Because it's not really about middle America per se, because People in rural Nebraska are probably more like people in rural California just outside of Los Angeles than they are unalike. You know, so this mentality of defining middle America by anything other than geography you know, is a super big risk. And I think that it's something that we all need to be really, really aware of is that you, know, you can't define America outside of major cities as anything other than a sort of geographic definition. Sparks and Honey uh, is a trends company owned by Omnicom, uh, sits inside of RAP. Uh, they did a survey. When asked to name the most innovative region in the country, 47, only 10% selected the Midwest. Poor Midwest. You know, that's, it's true. Like, this is sort of like the stereotype that we're always fighting all the time. But, in five years, the Midwest will have more startups than Silicon Valley. So there's a lot going on there that we all need to be aware of in terms of not just um, recognizing that people are different, but recognizing that business is fundamentally different uh, in these places as well. Founder of AOL, right? So he's going around the country um, you know, banging the drum on all of these emerging technology centers uh, in other parts of the country outside of Silicon Valley. And you know, what he says to entrepreneurs today is, you would be crazy to start your technology business in Silicon Valley. You know, it is way too cost prohibitive. The competition for talent is way too high. So Steve is stopping in places like Omaha. And he's got this Rise of the Rest tour that he goes on. And 80% of the cities that he's stopping in are outside of sort of coastal areas, right? Because he recognizes, as do others, that there's really something going on in terms of innovation in the Midwest that uh, people need to pay attention to. Um, you know, and it's not just small sort of entrepreneurial technology startups that are attached to uh, different computer engineering schools at various universities, et cetera. Uh, this is a Google data center, uh, which sits about 10 minutes outside of downtown Omaha. Um, so Melinda, uh, who said that there's no infrastructure in places like where I live, um, she better tell Google that. 
and Facebook that because this is Facebook's data center that's being built another 10 minutes outside of Omaha, which will go online in uh, 2019. So, you know, there is companies of culture uh, that's happening uh, in what we call in our agency the everything in between, which is basically all of America outside of the 10 major metropolitan areas in the country. The thing is, is that Silicon Prairie, uh, which is actually the name of, I didn't name it, but it, you know, it's kind of cool, right? Uh, Silicon Prairie, it's, it's not trying to be Silicon Valley. Like we're not trying to be that, and, I, and I'm gonna make that point again in a minute. Because the thing that, in, that is really happening there with innovation, it's about value, not just valuations, right? The things that are happening in innovation in the in-between are trying to tackle some really significantly important issues, like the fact uh, that by 2050, to feed the world's population, we have to create 70% more food than we do right now. That's kind of an important issue. Like, so it's not just about like, creating innovations to take pictures of brunch. It's about like, the importance of innovating to actually have brunch. And so, you know, it's really fundamentally about practical applications to practical problems in what's going on in technology and innovation in the everything in between. Like, if you think about back to the beginning of humanity, right? Like, what were some of the first human innovations and how were they used? They were used for, like, agriculture, for food, right? Food protection, those kinds of things. And, you know, so when you think about this place, this part of the, like, thought, well, brief down to talk to these guys, you know, there's actually some really interesting things that are, that are happening uh, in this part of the country. So, crop metrics, right? Uh, everyone's talking about sensors and the Internet of Things and how cool that's going to be, you know, when you're walking through, like, Walmart and stuff like that. Um, sensors have been in use in agriculture and the Internet of Things have been used in agriculture for about, like, the last seven years. So, it's just that people aren't talking about it, the news for valuations, it's about the practical application of technology to actually go do things and to solve problems. Quantified ag, right? Here's another one. So wearables, right? Like everything is going to be the quantified self and it's going to be really cool and you're going to be able to measure everything that you do and we all got our Fitbits and all that good kind of stuff. So quantified ag is a company that applies wearables to cattle, to ranching. Uh, and they've been doing that for about the last five years as well, and it helps them understand cattle are sick or not. Um, and again, you know, these kinds of things have been going on for years, and it's just not something that's written about, you know, as the whizzy new thing. It's just the practical application of getting on with it. Uh, Nimbus Lab, uh, drone use uh, for agriculture. $34.7 billion industry already. You know, we talk about like how cool Domino's is because they want to deliver your pizza with a drone, you know, and how novel culture for years, and it's now a $34.7 billion industry. Again, just sort of getting on with it. And so here's the thing, and here's the thing about business, and here's the thing about culture that's going on in the Midwest. Most people in the in, the in between don't really aspire to be, you know, their self-appointed betters, right? So, you know, all of these tastemakers and, you know, everyone else who are, like everyone else wants to lead, 
it's just, it's just not what uh, most people aspire to. You know, most people aspire to just have a good life, you know, provide a nice home and a nice childhood for their family, give their kids a good education, and they're pretty much good with that. You know, not everyone wants the mid-century modern home and the vintage muscle car, you know, uh, and to be uh, seen as the coolest kids on the block. You know, remember Meryl Streep's uh, yeah, acceptance speech, you know, where she was like, you know, talking down at people who like the NFL and mixed martial arts and stuff like that? Guess what? Like, they don't give a shit about Meryl Streep and what she has to say. They do like the NFL, and they do like mis uh, mixed martial arts, and that's just fine, you know? So, I think this is a really big, big fallacy of marketing to the middle. This notion that, you know, what we're going to do, because we live in New York and L.A., is that we're going we're gonna to put our life out there, right? You know, we're going to use these influencers, and, you know, and we're going to create this image of, you know, what everyone else obviously aspires to, to have in their lives, because that's what I do, right? That's what I did, and it's just not true, and there's a major disconnect with that, right? You know, Hillary Clinton, by the way, I voted Democrat, but uh, Hillary Clinton, you know, standing on the stage with Jay-Z, talking to the working people about, you know, the Democratic Party and how well their values are aligned. That was a major disconnect, right? The Democratic Party made because, you know, not everyone aspires to be Jay-Z. They don't, they don't really relate to that life, you know, that, that that guy has. And so, you know, recognizing that there is a huge amount of pride in, in the place that these people are from and that they don't have this aspiration to stretch to live on the coast, uh, and to have that life is a really important thing to think about when you're thinking about brands, when you're thinking about creative, when you're thinking about, you know, innovation. We really need to ask ourselves, like, what is our value to clients? You know, is our value to clients more data? You know, is our value to clients a new agency model? You know, or is our value to clients fundamentally about bringing forward an understanding of this complexity of marketplace that our clients are trying to operate in today. That, I think, is the value that we are, are, are charged with delivering, that we have an obligation to deliver to our clients. That's what they're paying us for, right? You know, they're not paying for us to misunderstand 92% of America. They're paying us to understand how to take advantage of 92% of America so their brands and businesses can scale. You know, and I think we also need to think about, particularly now, like what is our obligation to society as an industry, right? Like we are, we're people who set trends. We're people who sort of set the bar. We have an incredible amount of power in our hands, and I think that we have an obligation to really start to think about how we're contributing to a better society by at least starting by representing, representing it correctly. So, it comes down to three things for me, you know, uh, in this part of the country. The first is purpose, and it's understanding what the aspirations are of people. Like, what do they think that their purpose in life is? And it's not necessarily to to aspire to something else. And, you know, in our uh, engagements with our clients, and fundamentally really understanding that. Purpose is a really, really important thing. The second is place. Uh, there's a huge amount of pride of place. Like, you know, the um, number of people who are starting to stay 
in these you know, places in the in-between because they see a New York or an LA as an unattainable thing. And frankly, you know what? Their flow of culture and ideas and things like that because of technology is happening in such a way now that I'm just gonna stay where I am and make where I am cool, right? I'm gonna tell really amazing stories about where I'm from. You know, you think about like places like St. Louis, or um, I think it's Columbus, Ohio, that are like really emerging as really amazing like fashion centers in the country, right? And it's happening because people are just like, man, let's just make this place cool. You know, there's a real pride of place that's going on that I think we really need to lean into and understand and appreciate. And the last point is faith. And it's not religious faith. It's just like faith in people's sort of own plan for themselves, right? It's faith in these institutions that people are buying into, and it's faith in the path that they're on. And so just recognizing that these people have real conviction, right? I was talking to one of my clients, and they found that people in this part of the country are actually have a greater lifetime value because they have more faith in the relationship that they have with that brand. They're less permitting. So don't be an ignorant practitioner. You know, as an agency leader, or uh, as a strategist or an account person or whatever, our job is to understand. Our job is not to overgeneralize. Our job is not to deprioritize. Our job is not to fall into the trap of the echo chamber and thinking that the best way to be cool in the industry is by being like the industry, because that's just not true. Uh, don't be Melinda. <laughs> don't be Melinda. Thank you. Am I supposed to answer questions? After this break, Greg will take questions from the audience. He tackles how to solve the problem of the absence of teams within middle America and gives you a pretty honest answer about whether advertising is seeing a shift in perception of middle America for after the election and more. Stay tuned. But right now, a quick break to tell you about Digiday Plus. It's our subscription product where you'll get the Digiday magazine and a lot of valuable research about the industry. Plus, you will get to be a part of exclusive member events and our Digiday Plus Slack channels where we hold town halls with industry leaders and innovators every other week. We'll make sure you'll stay on the pulse of every development in the industry with us. Please sign up. It's at digidayplus.com. How are you dealing with, I find like a lot of times both clients and then the teams we work with internally, there's just like you said, like the inherent fear of not being present yeah. in New York and LA, even when you are showing like that's not, that's not where your consumer is. Yeah. Um, recommendation, because again, it's people that, you know, St. Louis isn't sexy or everyone there is a racist. Like right. those are the comments that you hear. You mean like where your business is centered? Um, I think... Both clients and for the creatives and the media people we're dealing with internally. So, um, because I'm from an analytics perspective, yeah. leading consumer conversations a lot of times, and there's just such a skewed view, like you said, of going into these smaller markets. And yeah. again, for clients, I think there's just a fear for not being present there. Yeah, three percent of the U.S. population, right? So, like everyone thinks that, like we got to have New York, right? You know, but it's just this tiny percentage of actually the total U.S. population. There's a lot going on in other parts of the country, and I think that you know our job is to illuminate a lot of the really interesting things. You know, one of the things that we're putting together in our agency is an influencer network, but all of the influencers live outside of New York or LA, right? They live in all of these other places in the in-between because, frankly, some of these influencers have got ability with real people in America. And you know, I think it's just about like uncovering what's going on out there. Um, and 
um, talking about some of the benefits, you know, for um, brands to connect authentically into this part of the country. You know, 40% of our, our agency revenue is with clients uh, from Southern California, right? But we're an Omaha-based agency. And I asked them when I joined the agency, I was like, why did you hire this agency in Omaha? And they're like, two reasons, both born out of where you guys are from. One is just the quality of your people are like real, like we can talk to you and we know that like you have our best interests at heart and you're not trying to do work for the industry. And the second is like you guys for 47 years have been creating brands that connect authentically with this part of the country. And that's what we get from you guys that we don't get from anywhere else. And so what I would say if you're a, an agency owner, you know, outside of New York or LA is just lean into that. You know, don't try to out New York, New York or out LA, LA. Just be who you are and there's a significant amount of value in that, particularly today. Yes, sir. So after the election, there was a couple stories in the Times and the Journal about how agencies and brands were sort of admitting that at least the co for the coastal shops and brands that they don't understand the middle. Yeah. And I'm just wondering if in the year since then you've seen, you know, advertising change to reflect, you know, maybe a shift starting to happen or if things are kind of still the same. Yeah, you know, I read a lot about agencies who are, it's like, what were you doing before? Like, it's not like we're going to a foreign country to, like, like, I really don't understand these, like, cultural excursions into America, you know, where, like, so you've been only talking to, like, the 8% for the last, like, 50 years? Like, I don't really understand that. So I think that we still have a long way to go. Um, you know, I would really like to see more ideas and more work originate, you know, and, and, and be centered on a place outside of a New York or LA, like, you know, like, we don't need any more brands to try to be cool to the kids in Silver Lake or Brooklyn, you know, like, try to be cool out of the, out of the, out of the middle. And I think that once we start doing that, that'll be great. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. To learn more about the summits we organize, visit digiday.com slash events. For exclusive member events, sign up at digitayplus.com and we'll be back soon with another episode.